Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby, and today I'm going to tell you guys about Oliver Ha. So pour yourselves a strong cup of fire department coffee, and let's dive in. Oliver Kirk Hoff was born in Dayton, Ohio to Jacob and Francis Haw in 1871. Growing up, he lived with both of his parents as well as an older brother named Jesse. Oliver grew up kind of as a mean kid and definitely a mean teenager. He was known around town as a bully. Apparently, this can be attributed to him being embarrassed by his parents' connection to the religion and his older brother's mental disabilities. And for whatever reason, his coping mechanism was to just be a bully, kind of be an asshole. And you'd beat up on people around the neighborhood. Um, A notable situation that gets told a lot when talking about Oliver is that he actually, during a hockey game in 85 or 86, 1885 or 86, I should say, had struck Wilbur Wright in the face and knocked out two of his front teeth. Uh, Most of you probably have heard of Wilbur Wright. He is one of the Wright brothers who invented the first airplane. And Wilbur actually had a lot of issues um, physically and emotionally due to this injury, which he obviously overcame later. But some instant karma, I guess, that happened when Oliver was 16 years old. He was having a lot of issues with his teeth as well, having a lot of painful cavities. And he actually worked at a pharmacy nearby at the time owned by Charles Francisco. And back at this time period, a lot of drugs that were used medicinally are not legal today. And because of Oliver's access to them, he started taking opium, morphine, and cocaine. And as you could imagine, became addicted. That's quite a combo to just start out with for some teeth pain. It's kind of crazy to me that these were like a legal thing back back when, like this was a common remedy. Yeah, it's weird to see how much medicine has changed over time. But all of those are very well known for being very addictive drugs. It's so weird to me that that was the medication that in the 1800s, they were like, oh, you know, you, you've got a headache here. Say, take some t- cocaine. Again, obviously, some of these morphines obviously still used, but at the time like you could go to the pharmacy and get them. And he had basically unlimited access and apparently didn't get in trouble for stealing these or maybe they were OK with it. I have no idea. I wonder if it was harder to keep track of the amounts that they had back then or, you know, they might not have really cared at that point because to them, these drugs weren't bad. They were just normal use. Yeah, agreed. It's kind of like the idea of going and getting some ibuprofen or something. In 1888, he did enroll at the Cincinnati Medical College. And eventually, after about two years, he had to leave because he didn't have enough money to cover his tuition. However, during this time, while he attended this college, he did meet a woman by the name of Anna Eckley. And during their relationship, her father, William, actually passed away. And Anna was the recipient of a lot of his, oh, was the recipient of his life insurance payout. And so Oliver was able to attend Miami Medical College, which is also in Cincinnati. And he used money from this insurance payout to fund that schooling. What did you say her dad's cause of death was? It was ruled a pulmonary apoplexy. I was just curious since, you know, she was the recipient of the life insurance money. It's always, I always feel slightly suspicious about life insurance, especially with what you've told me about our friend Oliver so far? It's funny you brought that up. Um, Put a pin in it and hold on to that thought. Oh, no. (laughs) But 
Even though he was able to attend this new college, he was asked to leave after one semester. Throughout his life, um, it'll pop up a few times, but his drug addiction really comes into play off and on. And he is in and out of school and work in relationships throughout his whole life. Due to this, with a mixture of his aggression that I've touched on and we'll touch more on as we go. He did end up continuing his medical degree and actually ended up graduating from the Louisville Medical College in 1893 and was able to open his own practice in March of 1894 in Dayton, Ohio. Something that pops up if you look into Oliver Ha is that he had this weird Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. People are always kind of comparing him to that. I guess he really believed that um, two beings could share a single body and was convinced that he was gonna change science forever and bring a new era of science is how he put it. Well, I mean, technically, multi-personality or dissociative identity disorder exists. So in that sense, two humans can inhabit one body, but- Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. You can tell he's a little unhinged. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. thought process. But I, he had this sense of um, narcissism, I guess I would put it where he's thinking he's he's literally going to change change science and medical or change science and medicine forever because of what he thinks he he's going to be able to achieve. Again, as I've mentioned, a common theme is that he had a drug problem and he was aggressive. One point he was basically abusing Anna and one one night she ran over to her neighbors and she'd been crying and saying that her husband was going to kill her basically and when police came to investigate the situation they saw just a crap ton of cocaine and morphine the drugs he was had been addicted to and still taking i don't believe anything legally came out of this um they continue to have marriage issues because of his addiction and aggression and also i'm going to add to it he was often stepping outside of their marriage and having many affairs those are definitely all things that can cause a wrinkle in a relationship Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, as we see, you know, especially if you look at back in time in history, women didn't leave their husbands. And she actually even one point was going to leave and then found out she was pregnant with his kid and went back to him. They eventually have two kids together and are kind of on and off in this crappy marriage for a very long time. I was really hoping you were going to tell me she got away from him and that they didn't have any kids. But there was a part of me that knew better and that you were going to tell me she stayed. As you could imagine, Oliver had a very bad reputation around town. Um, he was known as a shitty dude and not to mention a pretty crappy doctor. Many of his patients died under his care from malpractice and neglect. And eventually because of this, his practice was pretty much forced to shut down because nobody was gonna go to him. And he eventually was admitted to the Dayton Asylum for the insane by his family. Um, however, he, is released and keeps going kind of through the same process. And he was admitted into another asylum in 1900 and was released in December. Yeah, and was released that same year. And then in 1901, he took off to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then started another practice in Spooner, Wisconsin. Did he change his name or anything? Or No, but, you know, it was 1901, so it's not like we had the media we have today. I did forget about um, that. I'll be honest. Yeah. He, again, his narcissism came through and he described himself as, quote, a doctor who could cure any disease, end quote. By killing people? Because his last yeah. one, didn't a bunch of people die when he was yep. treating them? Okay. Absolutely. And the same story happens again here. Um, at some point, he's actually 
arrested for the death of a patient, but then was acquitted and he ended up moving and it happened again. But sometime during this time frame, he meets Delia Betters and marries her, even though he's still married to Anna, who he had just left back in Dayton. I was still, I was going to ask you what happened to Anna at this point. So she's just in Dayton and now he's married this Delia girl. Yeah. So basically he took off, um, marries Delia, who finds out actually that Oliver had been married and she was going to charge him with bigamy, but her mother was ill. And I guess he took care of her mother until her death. I don't know what it is about these town-wide assholes that like Ken Rex McElroy, who like, and and then our, this guy Oliver, they are douchebags to the whole town. And yet every time they're almost actually charged with something, they slip out underneath the legal system somehow. And they get to continue not only being an, absolute asshole but also leading to many other deaths of their patients in this one of Oliver's patients yeah it's insane um and unfortunately I think such a big part of it was just in this time period like crime was a lot more wasn't as punishable you know they just especially like the crimes against women like they really didn't give a shit (laughs) again he at some point goes to another asylum for his issues this happens multiple times and asylum at this like in this context, it's kind of equivalent to like maybe like a treatment center where he can get off his drugs for a little bit. Um, it always is in and out. And But anyway, at this point, he go, he's entering one in Lebanon, Ohio, and he gets out. And of course, he meets another woman and her name is Jenny Tui. So is he still married to Anna and to Delia at this point? Yes. And what year is this that he meets Jenny? There are some conflicting dates on this. It's within a couple years, though. I've seen like 1901 and 1903. So I'm not 100% sure, but as but it is within this like three to five year period. When he meets Jenny, they kind of start this the same thing we've seen before. Um, she had some type of inheritance and Oliver uses it to start another practice in Lima, Ohio. And unfortunately for Jenny, she gets deep into drugs as well um, because of Oliver's addiction. Do you know, does he have any contact with his children at this point? Throughout all of these articles and research I've done, I don't see anything about contact with his children at all. I know eventually Anna will come back into the story briefly, but as far as I know, not a lot, not enough that it's even relevant to the story, I guess. So apparently something happened where an acquaintance of Jenny and Oliver went missing, um, which resulted in them leaving Lima and heading to Lorraine, Ohio, where they opened up a saloon in brothel or a tavern, as it's called in some in some articles. Okay, I have to say I'd rather him own this than a doctor's office. Yeah, no kidding. Um, It's known to be just a pretty disgusting place. There was, as I mentioned, a brothel. So there's prostitution, there's drugs, there was just a lot of bad stuff happening. And Jenny actually at one point had to go to the hospital and at some point she makes a comment about needing to like escape from Oliver in that life but as soon as she's as soon as as soon as she leaves the hospital she goes back to him um I'm assuming because of the drugs and the addiction and at this point she's just really probably feeling like she has nowhere else to go at some point he does get arrested for disorderly conduct but of course as Erica mentioned earlier these people for whatever reason just never get punished and he is released under the condition that he has to leave town and seek treatment for his drug addiction somewhere. Okay. I am all for rehabilitation for all criminals. 
except how many times has he gone to an asylum now for his drug abuse? I mean, a handful. (laughs) And they just keep saying, oh, well, your criminal acts are fine as long as you go get help. And then they release him after such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He's very clearly playing the system. Well, and then they're like, you can go, but you have to get treatment somewhere else, but you can't get it here. Like, there's no follow up on that. Let's be real. No, that's true. Yeah. It's just frustrating to see that this is what's happening. And this is on a crime over coffee episode. So I'm sure it's just building more and more and more. And we're going to start to see some more murderous tendencies than what we've already seen is just my assumption. And so it just makes me a little sad to see the way that things were played out in the early 1900s. Yeah. And like full disclosure, it's hard to even keep up because he has this pattern that happens so many times that when reading the articles, I'm like, okay, wait, when was this one? But then there was this one. Is this the same one or a separate one? And of course, since it happened so long ago, there's not like a lot of concrete information. And it's just, you can just, I think it's really indicative of his life and the pattern he was in. Um, at some point during this recent endeavor where he's in jail and has to leave, Jenny actually passes away. And so Oliver takes off and actually heads back to Dayton to live with his family. And um, I think he originally went to, originally he went to try to live with Anna, but she was like, no, dude, like you're not living with me. So he moves back in with his parents and brother. All right. Once again, I'm going to ask, what did Jenny pass away from? Jenny supposedly died from an overdose from her drug addiction. Who knows? I guess. I think it's fair to assume that. It also wouldn't be surprising if it went a different way. Hint, hint. He did apparently, when he returned home, try to kind of get his life back together. I guess he started going to church and try to get over his drug addiction. And there were some, there was some evidence of him, you know, working toward the better, um, betterment of himself and making some progress with that. However, you guys could probably guess it. That didn't last. <laughs> um, at some point, he asked his dad for money so that he can open up another medical practice. And his dad was like, mm, no, <laughs> I'm assuming that's not going to go well. I'm not going to give you the money for this. And he also finds out that his dad took him out of his will, took Oliver out of the will because of his issues with drugs and clearly not having the best monetary practices all right first off this guy's giving me a little bit of a headache with all this back and forth and back and forth but also it sounds like dad just went and pissed oliver off and yeah okay that's a good assumption okay go Um, ahead abby unfortunately oliver is still a doctor at this point he still has that title and he places an order for a very large amount of a drug called hyoscine hydrobromine what is that? So it's an English term. <laughs> the mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. It is a, uh, it's a drug he'd actually taken in the past when he was trying to stop taking the harder drugs because it calms down your withdrawal symptoms and it kind of, it just like relaxes your system basically. Um, but a lot of it will cause... 
a lot of it can cause somebody to become paralyzed, basically. And so he orders this large quantity of this drug and also orders a large quantity of lamp oil, uh, more than the family would typically use for their oil lamps, you know, for light in the house. Flash forward to the morning, very early morning of November 5th, 1905. And neighbors of the Hoff family are awakened by Oliver running around, screaming that his house is on fire. And people are running, trying to help, trying to get the authorities or the fire department called. And at this point, Oliver's like, well, I I think my parents and brother got out. However, (laughs) with how the house burnt down, I guess they were able to at some point see the bodies of his parents and his brother during the fire when the like floors were falling down. So let me guess. They were slightly paralyzed and couldn't get out. What is discovered is that Oliver poisoned his brother and his parents, covered them in the oil and set the house on fire. Um, because of the drug, it's possible that they were alive when this happened. And they they obviously question Oliver and pretty quickly they figured out what happened. Um, at some point he admits to it, I guess. Um, when it's going to go to trial, he tries to claim insanity, which I would go with that. Yeah. Um, the court basically was like, no, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, I would also to, agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's trying to claim it because of his drug addiction and blah, blah, blah. But they're just like, no, you, you can stand trial and he is found guilty. And because of this, he's actually sentenced to death by electrocution, which is carried out in 1907. I'll be honest. I'm surprised that at this current moment in time, these are the only victims we have official victims, not including all of the malpractice victims. Cause I'm sure some of those were probably more intentional than we know. Right. And so with that, I'll kind of wrap up with some theories and what people and authorities and investigators, historians, what have you, believe. Um, they do believe that it's very possible he killed Anna's father for the inheritance. It's very possible that he was involved with a couple other murders. And by couple, I mean more than a couple. So during his time frame, he basically was moving around the Midwest. And just because of the lack of communication and media ability at this time, obviously, they didn't have the technology we have today. He would just open up a new practice in, in the Midwest. And this included states in Ohio, Wisconsin, for sure. Um, there's believed to be possible murders that occurred at his hands in Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan as well. And it is believed that he potentially committed no less than 16 murders over the course of his career. And that's with, I believe, the malpractice and the neglect. Um, I did see something about, like, one specific example of this. He was giving mineral baths to help cure people, which was a popular thing back in this time frame. People thought mineral water was this ever, ever curing medicine. And he just kind of left someone in the tub who couldn't, like, really take care of themselves, and they drowned because he was neglecting them. Um, So it's a lot of instances like that. Um, Some overdosing where he's giving them too much morphine and they die as a result. So a lot of neglect and malpractice. Yeah, I'm I'm really not surprised. The number 16 seems a lot more like what I was expecting than just his family. Not that that's what I would want, obviously, but as Abby was going through saying all these malpractice cases, it was starting to seem very suspicious when you put it all together like this. Um, I can't agree with Abby, though, that, you know, it was... The early 1900s, there probably wasn't a whole lot of communication from county to county or state to state, you know, because he was living all over the place. So they probably had no idea that this was happening elsewhere. And it's unfortunate that it wasn't known about more or 
wasn't known about earlier on in order for him to be officially stopped. That's, I mean, yeah, it is unfortunate. And that's really all I have for you guys. Uh, this guy's story is a roller coaster of confusion, and there's a lot of information. Um, I believe there's actually a book about it as well that you can get. Of course, we'll have all of the sources and links to those in our notes so you guys can check them out as well. Um, and you can dive into it. I'll give you a heads up. It's really confusing, and there's a lot of articles that state different information. But I think what we can all agree on is that this guy, is that this guy sucked, and the fact that they believe no less than 16 murders occurred at his hands makes me think that him being found guilty and sentenced to death maybe wasn't the worst thing for the future patients he could have encountered. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.